technology is moving us forward in the global space. There's been a lot of movement. I've seen a lot of movement in the last 10 years, and I think we're getting there. So to me, that's exciting so that we have the information in one place to be able to then use it to for reporting and to support the business. And we know exactly what's happening. And, and I think we're I think we're moving towards that trend. So I think we'll be there. And that does bring in all the pieces of robotics and automation because things are in many different systems. So how we can pull them all together to have a good employee record for payroll. Welcome to the Payroll Podcast with your host, Nick Day. Find out what it takes to truly discover what it takes to elevate your career within payroll as we meet with the industry leaders who are shaping the industry for tomorrow. Hello and welcome back to the Payroll Podcast, the first Payroll Podcast of the new year. And I cannot quite believe it's 2020 already. I want to take this quick opportunity to thank every single one of you for listening, subscribing, and of course, sharing this podcast. We've now surpassed over 23,000 downloads, which for a niche podcast about little old payroll, I think is truly fantastic. So thank you so much. If you are listening right now, then you have contributed to this success. And so from the absolute bottom of my heart, thank you to every single one of you for your support. Please do keep sharing it so we can get as many of the payroll community enjoying it as possible. And let's make 2020 a real year to remember. So on to today's guest, and we are opening the new year with one of the most recognized, certified, global payroll professionals working in the industry right now. I'm talking about, of course, Mary Holland. Now, Mary boasts over 30 years experience in payroll, working in roles ranging from payroll accounting, international assignments, system implementation, multi-state taxation, global payroll management, and of course, general ledger and strategy as well. Now, Mary is an extremely passionate global payroll leader who values partnering with others to advance the industry. She likes to help those within it and the organizations she supports to really achieve goals and create world-class payroll services. So, so it's my great pleasure to invite you all to sit back, relax, and absorb the wealth of global payroll expertise that Mary has to offer. Right, enjoy. Let's begin. So hello, Mary. Welcome to the Payroll Podcast. Now, for those who've just listened to my introduction, you'll already know that Mary is a true global payroll educator. She's a global payroll master. She's got specialities ranging across global payroll, including US payroll, equity and benefits, global mobility, global expenses, reporting, project management, implementation, and more. I could go on and on, but I'd rather jump straight into having a good old conversation with Mary, who I've met on many occasions. She's a real inspiration. I know she's inspired many of you that are listening to this podcast across the world with her knowledge, her expertise, and most importantly, her massive amounts of enthusiasm that she has for the payroll industry. And hopefully that's going to come through during the course of this podcast. So Mary, welcome. I'm going to jump straight in if I can. Five quick questions. Just ask you to give a little bit of an insight to the listeners that perhaps aren't as familiar with you. And just tell me a little bit about your some of your career highlights. Then some of the things that have sort of got you to, to this space as being you know, one of the most uh, prestigious and prominent global payroll professionals sort of operating in the payroll space at the moment. Okay, Nick. Well, first of all, as most payroll people will tell, will say that payroll is never their career. And I would also say that payroll is never my career. I started my career in, in finance and accounting and spent a, a time there. Believe it or not, uh, my global career probably started reviewing sales packages, payrolls for an organization that I was working for. 
And at that time, I really didn't really think I was doing payroll. I think back on that, I was. As as time moved forward and uh, you switched companies and moved someplace and the economy kind of got in a situation in um, early 2000 where we had to let people go in the United States for jobs and we had to restructure and, and get some work done. And at that time, I was a finance manager and had many areas reporting into me. And one of them was uh, payroll and stock equity, along with accounts payable, fixed assets and general ledger. And I had to let go our uh, payroll manager. The company had downsized quite a bit. Uh, so we had just decided that we didn't need a dedicated payroll manager. We would, you know, do with Mary doing it. Amazingly enough, I knew nothing about uh, a payroll at that particular moment other than, you know, oversighting and looking at reconciliations kind of at a high level. And I knew a little bit about stock equity, but not not a whole lot, I would be honest with you. So. When this transformation came about and the company I was working for, we also decided to move away from a provider. So within a six-week period, I was going to a new provider. So you can understand somebody that didn't really have a whole lot of experience was put in a new provider, and then we changed our stock equity system to be online too within four months. So it was really quite a year. Um, I ended up going back to a local uh, community college as soon as I got the new challenge and took uh, payroll classes for nine months at a night, uh, one night a week for three hours. And during that kind of journey, I found out about the American Payroll Association, which I knew nothing about. I knew nothing about their material and knew nothing about their certification exam. So you can see how naive I was on payroll. I then, um, the instructor encouraged me to take the certification exam. So I did take the certification exam in uh, 2013, 2003. And then my company that I'd worked for for 16 years, they were actually purchased. And I was in California and all of the functions for finance were being moved to Florida. And I didn't want to make that move. So I was out looking for a new position and colleagues and friends of mine encouraged me to move forward and just take a true, a true payroll career position. So I ended up taking a, a true payroll career position and was a U.S. and Canada payroll manager for a large graphics chip de designer that sits in uh, Silicon Valley. And during that kind of journey there that I worked for 10 years, um, we had rapid growth. And during that period of time, we also had rapid growth in global. So my first kind of footprint was helping um, with expats uh, along with my Canada and U.S. experience. And then I had a, a senior VP that um, recognized that, first of all, I recognized I had a passion for payroll and we had done some restructuring globally. So he had asked me to go on a global journey with him to evaluate all of our international offices that we had moved regionally and look at what was working, what wasn't working, looking at talent. And making decisions of what was actually happening. So you were really thrown in the deep end very, very early on. And then I, yeah, I like I know I know what's coming next because you've told me this story. But to give it a little bit of context here for those listening, you were really thrown in at the deep end at the start. Uh, yeah, thrown in the deep end because you, when he asked me to do that, my first trip was over to India and Taiwan. And so, which I'll tell people in their shock, because this trip actually just happened, or I really entered the global space about probably about 11 years ago, 10, 11 years ago. At that time, uh, when he asked me to do that, I wasn't 
I really didn't think he was serious. So I ended up um, going home that day and just saying, now I had this flyby conversation. I was explaining it to my husband. He says, oh, I think that's a good opportunity. And I said, I don't know if he's really serious. But the next morning, he came to my desk and gave me all of his travel plans. And at that moment, I had told him, and most people are kind of surprised because I'll go anywhere globally now, that I'd only been to Canada and Mexico. So his first comment was, you do have a passport, don't you? And I said, yes. And so during that trip, I was traveling with uh, another, the two gentlemen, and they were, they, they made kind of fun of me every time I got a passport stamp that I had such a virgin passport. I'd never been any place. And at some point, I didn't think they, they didn't think I was going to be able to keep up with them. But then afterwards, uh, I heard from another colleague that when they got back, they said they couldn't keep up with me. So he actually did change my career direction because I found a passion for something I never knew I had. So that's one of the things I always encourage people is that if you think you might like something and you might be scared or don't have the courage, you know, try it. And if you don't like it, there's nothing lost, but you might find something that you never would have expected that you would like. And so Global Payroll kind of became my passion. I ended up uh, teaching for the American Payroll Association, uh, some global payroll certificate programs, and also worked on content there. And then did spend uh, about three and a half years with them working on their uh, the GPMI, which was their, their global institute that's focusing on global payroll and helped educate people. And then also spent some time just doing consulting and helping people with global journeys, uh, global implementation. So that's kind of how I got in the global footprint. Wow. That's quite a, I mean, your first experience then really was uh, being flown over to India, a place you'd never been to before. I mean, you'd obviously been out of the country, but only to, only to Canada right before that. So it was a real um, cultural experience as well as, as anything else and a real learning experience to be thrown in the deep end into global payroll. Since then, obviously, you, you, as, as we're going to discover later, we know that you throw yourself into pretty much everything you do. You, you joined the local, um, as you call them, chapters in the US, uh, payroll chapter, I think it was called, where you, again, worked your way through to, to having quite a pivotal role at the APA as well. So with all your experience, Mary, I know this is, um, we have recorded podcasts in the past as well, of course, when you were working uh, close with the GPMI last year. How do you see the future of global payroll changing over the next five to 10 years? If you had a crystal ball right now, what would that be? What would that be showing you? Well, first of all, I think um, companies uh, that don't think they're going global will end up becoming global because the world has gotten so much smaller. And as we uh, start to look for market share, companies looking for market share, but also looking for talent. And that means talent is in employees that have some experience are in other places around the world. Uh, I'll give an example. When I one of the companies I worked for, we opened an office in in Russia, and one of the reasons that we opened the office was because there was content designers that had such a great talent skill set that we could not find it in another location. So we moved to a location and opened a location for the the talent. And I think we're going to see more and more of that. We're also going to see um, in the global payroll space. I think people are looking for you know, strategic direction, how they manage cost, how they manage the risk that's involved today, what they're putting more demands on the technology they want. There's more demands on reporting. So I think all of those are part of what's happening. We've gone through a trend where uh, there was a trend probably about eight years ago where we tried to consolidate it to one vendor. And 
in some organizations that work globally, but in others it didn't work. And a lot of times it didn't work is because the complexity of the uh, packages that you're providing to the employees, the employment regulations in some of these countries are, are really amazing and the requirements. And so sometimes one size fits all doesn't work for your organization, what your footprint is. So I think we're looking at trying to analyze what's best for uh, the vendor that can provide us the services we need in the countries that we're working in, and then try to get reporting and consolidation on that just to make sure that you have the pieces of timely payments to agencies and to employees, but making sure the compliance is strong so that you don't have any risk um, inside the company for branding and any of those pieces that are very, very important. I think that's a something that organizations really have to think about is, you know, in a minute you can use your brand if there's something that is out of compliance because our friendly social media always posts that stuff out so quickly that that does play an impact in your organization. So those are all kind of challenges. I think we also have a, a, a pro still have a problem with talent or global talent. I think we still have uh, a lot of people out there. We need we have a lot of openings for global talent. We still don't have um, enough people to fill all of the needs for all of the organizations around the world. Well, I'm I'm definitely say uh, hallelujah to that in the sense that there's a lot of companies out there really struggling to find good talent but it, it does exist but i think um it, it's a, it is it can be a challenge to know where to find it and i do think that uh, obviously as a recruiter i'm slightly biased here right because we recruit payroll professionals across the globe but um it as the industry changes i think the nature of the skills that employers are looking for, uh, employers are looking for for the future are starting to change. I mean, you just talked a lot about. I love the way I love the way you said as uh, a lot of the global payrolls are amazing. I read that as being you mean totally complex and really difficult. <laughs> but uh, I think you know you talked a lot of, you talked a lot about reporting and and you know back to the matter is the new tech that we're seeing now. It's less as you mentioned at the start. Um, you know, a full suite solution. We're looking. We're seeing a lot more best-in-class packages coming up, which really you know, specialize in one particular area of payroll. And as a result, those best-in-class packages and SaaS um, systems we're seeing, there's a lot more analytics and reporting available for payroll people. And if they're using that and leveraging that in the right way, they can really use that data to drive more strategic decisions, which again kind of brings us back to what you mentioned at the start, really, which is you know, payrollers are seeking and trying to improve their strategic awareness and their strategic abilities to influence change. And I think reporting is absolutely paramount to making that change happen. And if, if systems are giving us more reporting and more analytics that we can analyze, then we're going to see that being a much more fundamental part of the future payroll professional as we go forward. So totally agree with everything you've said. I think you've, you've hit the nail on the head with where the future's headed. Uh, we're definitely going more global. And as you say, businesses that, that aren't global now more than likely will be in the future. Um, and it's definitely getting more complex. But I think I think the talent is there, but I think we need to, a lot of the talent, that, that, that people that may not have those skills yet certainly have the capabilities to have them in the future, but we need to start evolving those skills. Um, and I think we're going to see a real evolution in the payroll professional and the skills that, that people look for in the future are definitely going to change to what we're probably looking for at the moment. Um, are you seeing some of that as well? What, what kind of skills are you seeing evolving the fastest at the moment in the industry, Mary? Um, I think there's, um, for the global payroll, I think it's a different skill set than the traditional in-country skill set where you're working on the compliance or the rules for a particular country or a particular state in the U.S. So for the, the global skill sets that helping to have the organization drive the strategic goals that they want, the reporting, 
that making sure it's structured um, professionally is really some of the soft skills. And when I talk about soft skills, it's really some of the items like listening, uh, collaboration, being culturally aware. Since we're working in a global environment, we have culture plays a huge piece of that and making sure that we understand the impact of culture and really the partnerships of working inside the organization with your stakeholders that are involved in the process and then the vendors that you're using outside of the of your company the vendors that are you're using to support different things that you need support on it could be payroll processing it could be your expat um employees, all of that tracking on that. It could even be some pieces of compliance and some registrations that need to be done and that work's being done outside. They're really an extension of your company. So they're really, in a, in a small way, they're employees of your organization that you need to make sure that they're aware of what's happening and their work is um, put in a workflow and everybody is aware of who's, what's, who's doing what. And the relationship between the vendor and the company is very important. And we see a lot of companies outsourcing and they'll outsource the work, but then there's no communication between the company and the outsourcer. And there's such gaps and the simple gaps can be resolved if we just had some communication and some collaboration and supporting the common goals for what you're trying to achieve. And so those are things that I think are, are very important. And those are skill sets that project management's another one of those. There's some skill sets that are a little bit different than the just in-country or in, in U.S. type of payroll person that may be processing payroll. So that kind of leaves us open to kind of uh, you don't necessarily have to have when you look at global payroll, you don't necessarily need to be an expert in every country. That's never going to be possible. But you need to have you know, the basic core uh, pieces of payroll that, you know, there's taxes that are taken out, you know, that there's deductions and what type of earnings are there, but then having resources that are going to help you with some of the things that you're unsure about on compliance, but building a structure and model that works for your organization. Because I feel like right now our organizations and especially payroll are on a journey. So payroll is now moving its way to being a key organization in your company. And by doing that, organizations are recognizing payroll has valuable information about the cost of hiring an employee, what the taxes are, where is the best location to put employees that's low cost if you have the ability to move to low cost um, arrangements. So all of those are kind of changing the mindset and a journey of what, what is payroll. It's no longer just getting somebody paid. We are actually a valuable organization um, inside in the company. Yeah, I, I, th- I think you're absolutely right. A, a lot of this comes down to mindset change. And I think you're right in terms of the skills, the softer skills I think we need to look at as well. I think there's there's potentially uh, some some gaps that we see in the payroll marketplace, uh, leadership being one. I think there are some really strong leaders, but I think as a as a, as an industry trend, there could be that there's a there's a gap, I think, in some really strong leadership um, training that could be delivered to those that are find themselves suddenly going from a domestic payroll into a big global operation, either be merger or acquisition. Suddenly they find themselves with multiple heads in multiple countries. And often the payroll manager there is suddenly expected to be able to manage multiple, you know, different cultures, different people in different time zones without really having the training or, or the, you know, the experience to be able to handle that. And it's thrust upon payroll people 
you know, with with with, with very little warning sometimes. And payroll people, fortunately, have always been really adaptable at handling change in very short spaces of time, right? As compliance changes so quickly, the HMRC changes things so quickly in the UK, and they're very adaptable in terms of you have to be, to be a senior person in payroll, you need to be adaptable. But I think those some of those soft skills um, can be difficult to obtain when the demands put upon you are changing so fast. So I think you've identified some... Um, some real, some really strong, strong elements there that I think that we need to think about in payroll. And a lot of it does come with with, with mind mindset and and organisation and planning for the future in the right way. I know that um, I don't know if you know this, Mary, but fifty six percent of HR and global payroll leaders said that they felt organisational design and change management is going to be a real top priority for them in twenty twenty. And that kind of ties into what you've just mentioned. So, as a global payroll leader yourself, what what challenges do you see, and how can leaders take on these challenges in relation to organizational design and change management? Well, first of all, I, I would agree with you. There's a lot of organization changes coming out. I think the challenge that we have is sometimes that change or the communication of the change isn't coming from top down so that the people that are part of the change don't understand why the organization's making that change. So really, they're looking at why are you making me do this today or why are we making this change or moving to vendor A? Uh, to vendor B, but don't understand uh, why the organization is is making that particular move. And so it's important to have that communicated, making sure the the leaders in the organization are communicating that back to the the groups that are impacted, making sure the groups that are impacted have times to ask questions, um, understanding what's happening. We're communicating the the change. We're letting them know what the impact is for them. And really, we, in that kind of change piece, we also have to look at really what's going on in the organization. Because some organizations have had so much change. So every year they have a new change that's impacting the employees in the organization. And so they might, the employees might be so fatigued from all this change that they don't take the change seriously. So that's something that needs to be considered if you have so much change that's, that's happening or you say you're going to have a change. And it doesn't happen. You start when you do all the work and then nine months later, they pull it back and say, sorry, we cut the budget. We're not going to make this change. We're going to go back to the old process. So people feel like maybe why do I have to pay attention to this change? Is it really going to happen? So really taking a pulse of what's happening in your organization. What is the cultural uh, experience of what does it impact the different regions around your world? Thinking about that cultural communication, how you communicate that. What's the impact of that? Because sometimes with change, the first fear that comes about is there, my job is going to be replaced. And that is not necessarily ever the, the reason for the change. The change is really to streamline the organization so that people understand what my new role is. I may be doing something slightly different, but really it's not to continue to eliminate people and, and function. So that sometimes is, is a big impact for organizations. And really having the leaders really understand and are they're aligned to what the direction is so that you can, as a project leader or projects that I've led, the ones that have worked very, very well is if we had a strong leader that was helping with the governance and communicating that message down to the, the groups and was aware of what's happening, having regular quarterly meetings or weekly meetings, depending on how big the project is with the senior people to communicate, give them information of what's happening having them aware if there's a resource problem or it could be it could be simply is that we need some additional IT support in these and these items 
where projects start to fail is really that at the local level, when we look globally, is at the local level, nobody's really communicated to them. And they say, here, we, you need to do this now. And so at that point, they don't really understand why you made the change. They think what they're doing today is working great. They're, they're at you know, a strong uh, accuracy rate for employees. They're doing their job timely. There's, they don't see any reason at all to make a change. And so that's really the, the challenge with some of these organizational moves and why we're doing that. And I think change management is a huge item that companies need to look at. And I do know in some large organizations, they are appointing change management, um, depart, have a change management department with change management leaders that will help the organization through any type of change. It could be a change in payroll or it could be a, a change on the HR side, any type of change. They don't necessarily, they're not the experts in HR or payroll, but they'll help lead you through that change and what has to happen with that. And there is some great books out there on change management and skills. Take a look at, all you need to do is Google it, change management, and there's some the information that's out there. And, and if you are part of that, is just spending some time thinking about that. And then as a leader, as we talked about leaders, we all know some people in our organization uh, have problems with change. And it may take them a little bit longer to accept the change. So recognizing what's happening and, and kind of watching what happens and being aware and listening to kind of some concerns that your staff or the organization might be having with this change. Sure, that makes sense. And they do say that the, the 2020 is going to be, though I've heard it said, that 2020 is going to be the year of change and transformation, particularly within uh, you know human capital management and, and, and payroll. So uh, watch this space. And I have to say, as a recruiter, we're certainly seeing that already, even though we're very newly into 2020 at the moment, we've, we've seen a significant rise as a, as a payroll recruiter in the number of um, roles being being requested from us in, in terms of trying to find individuals that specializing in different change or transformation related projects. So uh, even though IR35 is on the corner and then a, a lot of people are losing their their change contractors as a result, um, it's not doesn't seem to be slowing down the appetite for people wanting to go through a change or transformation. I think with the new technology that's that's, that's hitting the market, we're going to see more and more of that uh, come into play as well. So one question I have, and you, you touched upon this with um, you know, payrollers potentially being fearful that their jobs may be laid off because of this influx of new technology, this influx in automation and robotics that are there to really take away some of the mundane tasks that can be quite labor intensive. Uh, one thing I mentioned, I've, I've just done an article for this for the Payroll Professional magazine uh, talking about the future of payroll. But I think one thing to bear in mind is in every technological revolution we've ever experienced, um, certainly here in the UK, the, the it has always been, as a result of that revolution, there's always been more jobs created than its cost. It's just we have to recognize the jobs are going to change. Um, and then you, you touched upon that with the reporting and analytics. But I think if we look at it with that mindset, it's quite an exciting uh, change that's happening. However, what would you say, Mary, to the HR leaders or even the business owners or those responsible for making the decisions that might say, look, and this, this is going to happen, and it, I'm, you know, to their risk, if you ask me, but... There are going to be examples where they say, you know what, we don't need a payroll department anymore. Let's just bring in this piece of tech. Let's roboticize it. Let's automate it. Lo and behold, we're then going to find out there's problems later, I'm sure. But what would you say to the business leader or the owner or the, the professional that was coming in with that kind of decision? If you were a payroll manager at the moment objecting to that, how would you handle that? How would you try and make them see the light to say, yes, we need new tech, but 
let's not be too rash and just sort of outsource the entire function right here because payroll talent and payroll knowledge is really, really important. And it's very difficult to come by, right? It comes over years of experience and years of, of being in that working environment. So what would you say to those owners that were looking to make those kind of wholesale changes? First of all, I would kind of evaluate what areas they are, were deciding to make those robotic and automation changes. And I think we all know they're the repetitive tasks that we're doing in the payroll function and identify what percentage of, of that is. But also then highlighting, you know, and sometimes it's a great way, way to use is using a SWOT analysis where you talk about the strengths, the weaknesses, the opportunities and threats and putting that into a table where you can identify here's if we move forward in this direction and you think that you don't need to have any payroll expertise or even outside payroll expertise, here's some of the things that might happen and explain, you know, there is regulation issues that need to be done. Some of the stuff needs to be done manually in some cases, in some countries, stamping, stamping passports, for example, or a work passport in Brazil has to be stamped when somebody hires and leaves. So how can you robotics? Uh, do robotics or automation with that type of thing that where there's expertise. There's also somebody that has to be aware that everything's working, right? So automation and robotics is only as good as we do all the programming work and we program it all. But if something doesn't happen, we do have to have the documentation pulled together that says, here's what's happened and how we can fix it. So triage, I think it's a different skill set that's needed. So it's somebody that's going to manage a project. And it's also some expertise in the technology that's going to be a part of the team. So it's different skill sets that are going to need it to be done. But really having them recognize we're presenting it, we're not afraid of your change. Like telling them we think it's a great idea to be using robo robotics and automation for these functions. And these are the other functions and skill sets that we need to keep, make sure that the business is compliant and we're managing it together and building that team together instead of just saying it's not going to work. So I, I think it's better to, to evaluate it first, look at what part of the proposition is going to work for payroll and what's not, and then coming up with some clear, crisp slides. That's why I like the SWAT, because you can put it on the slide and talk to it instead of getting emotionally about, well, this is never going to work, because sometimes that's what happens when we get these changes coming down, and talk to what could happen and could not happen, and let them see the pros and cons of the decision and work together with them. Fantastic. What a brilliant response. I think that's um, you've given a, a really good toolkit there for people to listen to and sort of take further to, to know how to address that if, if, if they indeed come across an individual that does want to, to make those wholesale changes. So thanks for that, Mo. It's excellent. So listen, in just a moment, we're going to find out a little bit about, a little bit more about you, find out things that make you tick, Mary. Before we do, I want to quickly ask you, what are you most excited about in the payroll industry at the moment? What's really uh, grabbing your attention and giving you that, um, that motivation to go, well, I can't wait to see where this leads in payroll at the moment? Well, you know what I think is really exciting or what has happened in the last five years is we have so many new uh, vendors and products that are out there that give us a different perspective to how to handle our issues today in payroll. So there's a lot more um, vendors and products that are available to us as, as payroll leaders. I also think that uh, the organization or the companies and vendors out there are listening to global payroll professionals and payroll professionals and what will work and not work. So I think we're, uh, the technology is exciting, the ability to have better services and supports exciting. 
I also think just the world is 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 getting smaller and what we can do to all connect and build a kind of a, a good model that works for organizations that we continue to support them. So it's I think it's really exciting to have more opportunity or more vendors uh, out there uh, and more products and services available and that they're definitely recognizing um, there is a difference between in-country uh, providers versus a global provider and looking at what needs to be there, how we build out integration using the the robotics and all of those functions. So we're on an exciting, I, I think we're on an exciting um, trend where we're reimagining global payroll. We're reimagining what the world's going to look like by using new technology and new vendor services. And we, we're seeing that with, with the number of vendors that have entered into the global space in the past five years. I don't think there's ever been a more exciting time to be in payroll. As long as you're, you're willing to embrace what's happening, I think it's, uh, you know, I've been in payroll recruitment now for nearly 20 years, and I think this is the most exciting time it's ever been. So totally agree. I love seeing what new products are coming out. I love seeing the initiatives, the thinking behind them, the new solutions and what they can do and what they can provide and how they're going to change the way that we work. I think it's... Um, yeah, if I was working in payroll now and not quite sure where the industry would lead, I'd be excited by the future. I think it's uh, it's going to be an exciting time. But listen, just a moment, we're going to find out a little bit more about some of the skills um, that we think Mary uh, that, that Mary thinks health professionals will need in the future in order to be successful. And we're going to get five items of advice that Mary would suggest all payroll leaders uh, take on board in the year 2020 in order to be successful. So stay tuned for that. But before we get there... We're going to find out a little bit more about you, Mary. This is just a quick advert to let you know that if you haven't heard the latest payroll song that's doing the rounds and was played recently at the CIPP conference, then you don't want to miss it. It's called My Payroll Career. It's available now on iTunes and Amazon Play, YouTube and other sources as well. If you love payroll like we do, then go check it out. Payroll is changing and the landscape is looking bright. We look to new technologies to show us the light. Chatbots, AI and robotic process automations. Introducing blockchain and other innovations. The fact remains that payroll is essential and critical. Should have governance at a level that is ministerial. Titles changing to become more payroll analytical. Brexit will bring changes too, but hey, let's not get political. See, I love payroll. And payroll loves me. I don't mind liaising. That was my payroll career available now on iTunes, Amazon Play, YouTube, and more. So check it out. Right, back to the podcast. Time to find out more about you. So, question one How do you relax in your downtime? And it can't be payroll. I know you probably do payroll in your sleep. So if it wasn't payroll, what do you do in your downtime? How do I relax in my downtime? I do go for like a three and a half mile walk every day with my husband. Um, I like to go wine tasting. So I, probably no surprise for somebody that's sitting in, in California. So I do like that. I like being um, out in the outdoors, go to the beach. Um, and then sometimes just watching what I, I call a movie that has no kind of might be a romantic movie or something that's happy. It just takes you away from what I sometimes call a book or a movie that really doesn't have any education piece to it, but it just takes you away. And then, of course, um, spending time with my family and friends. So those are kind of a snapshot to get away from the world of work. You need to plan for that. Favorite uh, movie or, or favorite book you can recommend? If perhaps we haven't uh, watched it or, or, or read it here before. <laughs> <laughs> so so one of my very very favorite movies is Gone with the Wind and, I, and and it's 
it's such an old movie and it's an old movie in the US. And, and and I think the reason why I really like it is Scarlett keeps pivoting through different things in the storyline. And even at the end, she's going to worry about what's going to happen the next day. She's going to make it better. So somehow her life went through a, a maze of things. It's not so much the what happened in the it, with the North and the South. It's more just what the character went through in a in a lifetime. So parallels there for you as well in the way that the, the uh, you know, see where the music takes you, right? You're getting lots of different, you pivot all the time in your career as well. So I can understand why that'd be one of your favorites. Well, and I guess I should also mention my favorite city to go visit is London. <laughs> as you know, Nick, uh, I do. it is, it is a, <laughs> there might be a bit of a London theme coming up when I get to the third question here, which is who who do you invite to the dinner party? I suspect I might know one of those. <laughs> so let's look, let's go to the second part. So well, who are the, before we get there, who are the two people who have been the most influential to you in your career? Uh, so the two people I'm going to say, um, the first one, if I look for my global space, is the the VP that I uh, work for that, first of all, recognized my passion for payroll and was looking for an opportunity uh, for me to do something different. I then discovered that I love global payroll, which I never would have known that. So that's that's something that um, really has kind of changed my life. And he did tell me when I went on my first trip that going on this trip would change my would change my life. And little did I know it would. And the second I really have to just say is is my parents, because they gave me the ability to believe in myself, um, to have courage to, you know, do whatever you wanted to do. And then no matter what, they were always there for you. So I, I think they they play a part in who I am. And and kind of my personality or how I uh, attack things or look at items really come back from just how I was raised as as a child. Love that. Well, hats off to, to Mary's parents. You've been an inspiration. Listen, I went to the um, the APA for the first time last year. And I, I'm tell- I promise every one of you listeners that listen to this podcast right now, I cannot tell you how many people independently, Mary was never even in earshot when this happened, would come up to me and say, oh, my God, you know, Mary Holland, she's been an absolute inspiration to me in my career. Um, and that happened so many times. So uh, hats off to your parents if, if they've been, uh, they set you on that path, Marie, because I know you've had a huge influence on, and, and you're a huge motivation to so many people in the global payroll space. So uh, no, fantastic. Love that. So listen, let's jump into the London piece because I know this already, but I'd like to hear it from yourself. So if you could invite three people to a dinner party, who would they be and why? And you're welcome to um, include the story of your sleepover in a certain queue for a certain event if you wish to. <laughs> okay, so um I have two people that uh would would be from London and one that's from the United States. So the so first of all, as Nick already kind of alluded to, I, I did attend uh Prince William's and Kate's wedding um on the streets of London. Uh I just happened to have been visiting Moscow and my flight did bring me back through London on the day before the actual wedding. So I stayed over and was in the streets uh, watching the event and got to meet some very wonderful London people that actually helped me since I only had a coach and a little mat, wasn't prepared for a cold sleepover. Um, so they helped me by giving me a chair and took care of me. But I had the, I would say I had the event of the year spending that uh that 24 hours with London celebrating. It is, it was wonderful. And I always remember that. Um, so it was a great experience. So my kind of my London history or how I got really in, 
I always really like London, but I think the first person that really made such an impact to me was uh, Princess Diana. And I did actually stay up, get up early. She got married and watched it on the TV. So I was always inspired by her and her and what's happened in her life. Um, kind of her great job that she did with raising her children, uh, the charities she was involved. And then she wasn't perfect. She had, you know, some things that uh, things that she had to work through in her life, but she continued to work through those items and recognize um, her things that she needed to work on. So I did really always admire the work that she did. So I would love to have her um, come to the dinner table. The second person is a really is somebody that's been in London and I'm just so amazed is is Queen Elizabeth and just looking at her path and history of being at a young age being told that you are now going to be uh the future queen and then accepting the role at a very very young age and where she is today and still is running and I can see her almost being over 100 with all the work that she's done but her kind of mission or kind of goal that I've seen that she's portrayed is she's been having, she's had over those years to pivot the direction of the monarchy, recognize that change was happening, how she could position that, making changes in actually her family structure and different pieces. And then just her whole kind of loyalty to, well, her family, but also loyalty to the role that she was actually put in. Maybe at the end of the day, it had never been something that she wanted to do, but she does definitely serve um, the country uh, well. She celebrates her 70th year on the throne in 2022. Maybe that's the next time you need to come back to the UK, Mary, and celebrate back on the streets. We're two years away from her 70th year on the throne, which would be what an achievement that is. I don't blame you for, for highlighting her as an inspiration because... You know, to be the the, the head monarch, head of the monarchy for for that period of time, you know, ninety three years old, I think she is now, and still going really, really strong. I think is is incredibly impressive, incredibly impressive. And hopefully, that means you might come over and uh, we can do dinner at the same time in twenty twenty two. We can do an early date, Mary. Yes, I will. <laughs> no, I mean, I I definitely think there's a. Even if you're not really into the monarchy and all those pieces, I think you just look at um, skills that she has as a leader, the ability to pivot and make changes um, because the world has changed around her. If we even think about that, think there was no cell phones, there was no computers at the time that she became really actually um, queen. None of that stuff was there today. And just the uh, wide area of trying to reach out to people is, is drastically changed. I mean, they have. They're using Twitter and some of those functions today to to tweet out things that are happening. So you can see there's been a, a major change in what's happened in the world around uh, where she was. And, and the last person um, that I uh, is uh, is Jacqueline Kennedy. And one of the reasons that I'm I really um, recognize her for her first of all her support to uh, her family but also the support that she provided when uh, President Kennedy uh, passed away. So she was very young in her early 30s when that happened. And she actually pulled the country together with her, you know, strength and courage and really planning out, a, you know, a very nice funeral that the, that the U.S. citizens around the world could recognize. And her support, I think, helped, you know, kind of a drastic situation that happened. No one wants to... Um, see the pieces of somebody have an assassination because that actually was 
you know, TV was started to be used then a lot, um, had become broadcasting and news and things were there. So I think she actually pulled the world together. And she also then built her, her two children that were her legacy and family was important. So I, I really um, recognize her just from what she did. So those were those would be my three. That'd be a strong female dinner table. Mary Holland, uh, Queen Elizabeth, Princess Diana, and Jacqueline Kennedy. Yeah, that, that's uh, that'll be that'll be a force to be reckoned with for sure. Fantastic, it was a brilliant answer and brilliant. Great, thanks, thanks, Mary. So, last question before we jump back into the future of payroll. But if you didn't work in payroll, Mary, what would you be doing? Well, you know that's um, that's kind of an interesting question because I um, believe it or not, my bachelor's of science degree is in dietetics. And I spent, I know most people probably aren't even had a minor in business. So I, that's how I kind of ended up more in accounting, but my true kind of love in, in that kind of career was really like organic chemistry and biochemistry. And my direction that I originally was going to do was help kind of people that had different um, illnesses to look at what diets and that piece they needed and monitor different things on that. So that probably would be a career path that would be interesting. And then the other one is, is which I've kind of adopted a little bit is at one point I originally thought I wanted to be a teacher and then kind of, I've kind of come around round circle on that because I do um, teaching and help different chapters and have done work for the American Payroll Association and then done presentations. So kind of that teaching's kind of come back full circle. So that's kind of an area that would be different. It'd be completely different than what I'm doing now, but yeah, I don't miss it. I love what I'm doing. So no, I definitely know that. And I definitely know that we've, we've had this conversation about payroll over dinner, which I think lasted about seven hours and we probably could have gone for about seven days. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, your enthusiasm for payroll is definitely uh, infectious and uh, definitely there for everyone to see. So we're going to jump to a quick advert, Mary. When we come back, we're going to find out a little bit more about the skills you think power professionals need today and in the future to be successful. Stay tuned. Have you ever asked yourself, how can I recruit payroll staff effectively? Please don't give up on your recruitment project just yet. Here at JGA Payroll Recruitment, we appreciate the difficulties associated with attracting, recruiting and retaining top payroll talent. We also understand just how costly a poor payroll hire can be. JGA Recruitment are a niche payroll recruitment agency who will partner with you to resource payroll candidates who will improve both the accuracy and efficiency of your payroll department. Contact us today on 01727 800 377 or visit jgarecruitment.com to find out more. Five technical questions. So, Mary, what skills do you think payroll professionals need today and in the future in order for them to be successful? So the first one is I think we have to have adaptability. So we have to be adaptable to all of the things that are happening. First of all, there's changes in tax agencies and regulations that we have to be adaptable, but adaptable to what's happening inside our company. We may have a new system that's happening, really looking at what's happening in our organization and try to be adaptable to what's happening, which then kind of rolls into the, the change management, really looking at how do you as a person handle change? Are you somebody that can readily accept the change or are you somebody that's a little bit slower? And then as a leader, how am I going to lead and think about leading my teams through change management and 
and what's needed to be successful when a change does occur, because we are living in a changing world. And it, it's it's as simple as a changing new technology, or it could even be using a new browser or what's coming up. How do we use technology? Are we moving to using mobile devices to communicate with employees? That's a change that ha- could happen very easily in an organization. And if you look at if you look at the simple things that the iPhone and the uh, the uh, Apple Watch, all of those are now small devices that really are computer instead of having um, a laptop in front of you. So I think we're going to have more change with that and how adaptable we are to using that uh, to communicate in payroll. And then really, what is your drive and enthusiasm for the organization that you're supporting and your passion for payroll? Do you have a passion and do you like what you're doing? And when I look at that is like, evaluate in your job, do you really like what you're doing? And if it's not really something that you like, maybe you move to a different function in payroll. Payroll is such a wide um, area where you can move to. You can be uh, work directly for a vendor and be selling the um, product. You can be a payroll uh, recruiter like Nick, right? So he's helping find um, people to to um, get new careers and move forward. That's that is, You're still working in the payroll industry. Do you want to just work and do payroll reconciliations or be the IT expert or somebody in robotics? Find the area that you really like and and evaluate. Does that bring you the passion and the enthusiasm that you want? It it may not happen overnight. You may need to take some classes. You may need to take some reading, but you might have to also make that first step to talk to uh, who you're working for and share with them that this is the direction that I want to move in. You may even want to move over to HR or even move over just to GL. What is that path to get me there and looking for that? Sure. And thanks for the plug there, Mary. On the recruitment side, we've actually, <laughs> well, actually, I've, I've recruited payroll managers before to be consultants there. There's a, a, a very, uh, um, or a couple, uh, Sarita, I don't know if she's Sarita Darch is a consultant that um, I worked with for, for a couple of years who used to be the payroll manager at Mencap. And now she's gone on to have a, a couple, a, a successful career in recruitment before she just missed payroll and went back into the payroll, and she's now still working as a successful payroll manager. And I think, you know, we're always recruiting. Payroll market's always going to need good talent, right? And I think you've hit the nail on the head. There are so many options out there now. You don't just have to do payroll administration or payroll management if that's not what you want to do. There are many, many options, many, many facets to payroll, and many things that tie into payroll, whether it's recruitment, software sales. Uh, technology, which we've, we've touched upon, uh, change management, all of all the areas you've mentioned, and there are so many connections with payroll now that really the the, op- the opportunities out there are endless. So I think you're absolutely right. But thanks for the plug. We are recruiting right now, so if you're a payroll person listening and you think you know what, I could do what Nick does. Give me a call. Give me a call. Well, no, I, I mean, and the advantage if you're interested in that is you know that you know the space and you can help uh, find that perfect candidate for the client that is looking for somebody. So you're talking the same language so that that is a, a skill set that, you know, is, is beneficial if you if you wanted to go in that direction. And then we talked about the soft skills or sometimes I call them essential skills and really those come back to the the communication, the collaboration, having customer service, recognizing that you you need to support the team how we how we provide those leadership skills how we provide culture and diversity um making people aware of those type of skills that are essential project management is is another one of those skills that that people 
sometimes um, they're essential in every part of payroll today so that the projects or the team or the alliance of the job functions can be put together. And then the last one that sometimes scares people is tech technology, especially when we, we have already talked or hit on this is um, robotics and automation and integration and all the pieces. And is it right for me kind of putting all those pieces together? It's like, we can't be afraid of technology. Um, if we look at it, technology has moved us forward. A technology change is happening every day. But what is it? What is it going to do for payroll? And then I, I kind of just want people or payroll professionals or global professionals to think about just read an article on really what can be done with robotics and what can be done with some of the automation. And it's not scary. It's not we're not having a little robot take over your job and you're not going to be in your desk or be wherever you're working. It's it's really just technology that's going to help what we need. And it does position the company to get information and streamline what's needs to be done in an organization, but it changes the roles of what you need in payroll. So it does make payroll different than it was, you know, 20 years ago, which that to me is exciting. And we talk about change. I think it's always good to change. It's always good to learn. And as we mentioned, Queen Elizabeth's age, I always feel like you're never too old to learn and you can always learn something. So it does help. It does change the payroll dynamics, but it also makes us a key player in the organization too. Well, with that in mind, you know, you've got to the top of what I would argue, you've got to the top of the global payroll profession, some of the things that you've done and some of the achievements that you've got behind you. What resources have you used to help you stay both current and, and ahead of the curve, really? What are the kind of resources you often relied upon to make sure you're able to stay on trend in relation to the latest payroll strategies, compliance? or even some of the softer skills you talked about to make sure that you're always uh, on, you know, on top of what's happening in the world of leadership, for example. What, what are the resources that perhaps if you're listening to this podcast now and people aren't quite sure where, where to go, that you might be able to recommend? Um, so, so first of all, I think um, I've always kept myself um, in current in what you're, you're doing. So in the U.S., we have uh, local payroll chapters that you mentioned. We also have statewide events that you can attend. And both of those two, those items are a lot less expensive than going to like an annual conference that could be expensive that sometimes your employer may or may not support it. But if it is something that you see that's beneficial to your career, um, you could attend the conference and pay for it yourself. So remember, it's your, you do need to take ownership of your um, education growth. So looking at that, Community colleges, um, we have community colleges here in um, the U.S., and I think they have them um, other places around the world that offer courses that you can take online. And it could be uh, courses on project management. It can be uh, leadership courses. Looking at those type of items that are available. Also, YouTube has so many. If you, all you just you could just um, look at go out to YouTube and figure out how to do something. I was yesterday was trying to figure out how to add a new uh, font to my um, my Mac. And so I just went out there in a minute, just YouTube did. And I got the video and easily to do that. So the YouTube has some great um, things out there on leadership. We also have topics that are out there. I also like Twitter. And so I, I'll tell people that we don't have tweeting, just join the Twitter feeds for different um, organization, vendors, um, different uh associations because they're tweeting out some good content where they're going to give you an article and something to think about, might talk about culture, might talk about diversity. So getting yourself exposed to different items. 
And then looking at kind of where do you want to be and what skill sets I don't, I might need some help on. So looking at what that might encourage you to do that. And I like to, I like to just kind of be aware, maybe look at if I was going into a new country, I would just go out and start doing a Google search about that country. A lot of times the first thing I'll look is the culture, what, you know, what type of um, industries are in that particular country? What's the taxation, right? So understanding um, the taxes. Sometimes I even like to look at fun things like how many holidays they have off and and their work hours. If we look at my friends in France, they have a, a reduced work hour week for us. So just using that and kind of trying to look at never stop learning. And sometimes it's just an article that you read on a plane that's in one of the magazines that you might be on the plane with that that shows some leadership skills. And they then you can pick that the leadership piece up. So looking at that and then trying to make sure that you plan for that so that you also always stay current and watching what happens um, on trends. And so that's why attending, you know, payroll events or events that are associated with having vendor halls or expo halls. They're great because you can talk to the vendors and see the products and services that they're offering so that you kind of have some good insight to where the direction is going in the industry. But also it's a benchmark to see is your vendors that you're using today, where are they um, compared to what the industry trends are happening? So just it's I think it's making sure you stay current and finding time for that. And it could be as simple as blocking an hour off. Um, each day on your Outlook calendar for yourself to think about what you want to do and making sure that you plan to achieve that. Because otherwise, I think if you don't plan for yourself, it's not going to happen. There's always going to be a hot project that you have to work on or somebody's going to take your time away. Sure, sure. Well, you've listed a number of uh, great resources there, which is fantastic. And I I love the YouTube one because, you know, as a recruiter, and actually, funny enough, it happened, literally happened today. So an individual had put that they had some great Excel skills on their CV, but actually when tested, um, had very few Excel skills at all. And my argument would be, look, if you're going to be confident enough to put a skill down on your CV that actually you don't have, it's very difficult, I think, to justify for something like Excel, why you don't have that skill. Because there's plenty of opportunities for you to go onto YouTube in your own time and learn aspects of Excel, as an example, aspects of Word, PowerPoint, or even a payroll system. They're all kind of there to find. If you don't have to do a pivot table or you don't have to do a VLOOKUP or any of those skills, you don't, you know, it, we do have access to uh, materials online using places like uh, you know um, Vimeo or, or YouTube that will show us how to do those things in step by step formats. So you know if you if you do want to advance yourself and you want to give yourself an edge at the next interview and you know that the next interview that's taking place or the next payroll position you're looking at needs a certain skill and perhaps either you don't have that skill or you need to brush up on that skill, there are resources out there that can really help you and it doesn't have to be you know, Excel-based, it could be, as you mentioned, that if you know the next job involves you know, processing French payroll, then pick up a publication that, that covers French payroll, whether it's the GPA magazine, Payroll Professional magazine, or go online to the GPMI, or any, any of these many, many resources you can access, and just brush yourself up prior to the interview. Listen to these podcasts if you have to, because they have some great speakers. You know, if you were going to an interview that involved Canadian payroll, what better podcast to listen to than the one we recorded with Giles Champagne that talks all about Canadian payroll? So I think I think there are less places to hide now for people that are looking to interview um, for new positions and then say, you know, and because the, the skills are out there. You just need to be willing, willing to go and find them and be proactive enough to, to really 
help educate yourself before you get there. And I think um, you've highlighted some really, really excellent uh, resources that you use. And I think you're absolutely right. It, it comes down to that mindset thing, again, to go full circle, where people do need to take it upon themselves, have that attitude of proactiveness to go, you know what? I do want to advance in payroll. I do want to go further. And I'm going to have to take some of that workload on me to make sure that happens. Um, and as you say, there are loads of resources to help that happen. So thanks for that, Marie. You shared some, some brilliant resources that you've used. And um, it's got you to where you are. So it's obviously worked for you, which is excellent. So we're nearly at the vault stage. Before we get there, Mary, what's the one common myth you often hear in the workplace in relation to payroll? And can you debunk it right here, right now? I think the common myth is that everyone thinks that there's just some magic easy button and that's all payroll people do all day is press that button and nothing. That's all they do. Right. Sometimes I think or some people think that the rest of the time they have time spending, you know, out buying things online in that aspect, which is kind of hilarious because there's never any time on that. I think it's really um, how you debunk it, I think, is really making sure that you have great customer service. You come across very professionally, um, provide any type of education on payroll. It might be as simple as adding information on your company's Internet site. Um, I, I did uh, have a gentleman that worked for me years ago that we were in Europe and he actually broke down each of the countries and we put it on the website that had some information that linked them back to tax agencies and information that was going on, how you, you know, just a brief snapshot of what's happening in payroll. And then really when you're talking to, to people in the organization and you see that they have a need, it could be as simple as sharing with the financial analyst, you know, I know we're coming, we have an upcoming bonus period. And did you know that employer taxes are at X percent? So providing some information and continuing to make yourself think about being valuable to the organization. But you, at the end of the day, you want them to come to the payroll team as being the expert, right? So they need your expertise. So continuing to look at ways you can help the organization, because I think that's where we're going to get value as a professional profession. We we're there as a profession, but I think sometimes we, they, we don't, we don't get the value that we have in an organization because people are unaware of what's really happening, really need to share with teams and explain and explain to your manager. Um, good stakeholder communication helps with that too, so that each person understands what really happens. And so when there is something that does involve payroll, they're pulling you in as the expert to help solve the problem. Sure. Sure. No, fantastic answer. Listen, I can't believe we've got to this point already, Mary, but we're now at the point of the vault. So we're going to open the vault. Entering the vault. What is one piece of advice you would give to someone working in payroll right now? Just one piece of advice, what would it be? Making sure you have a passion for what you're doing every day. And if you don't have it, look for something that's going to provide it because a day is a long time if it's not, if you're not enjoying what you're doing. No, you're absolutely right. Absolutely right. Fantastic answer. If you had the power of foresight and you could change the entire global payroll industry with just one action or one improvement, what would that single action or single improvement be? I like to have the visibility of, of having my employees around the world being able to see what's happening and have visibility into you know, workflows, their, um, their compensation, being able to have that visibility in one place instead of maybe going to many different providers and vendors. Um, having that visibility, I think we'll get there. Um, 
similar to what in the U.S. we ha- we're very spoiled that we have platforms that support that. And just having just having that ability, I think technology is moving us forward in the global space. There's been a lot of movement. I've seen a lot of movement in the last 10 years, and I think we're getting there. So to me, that's exciting so that we have the information in one place to be able to then use it to for reporting and to support the business. And we know exactly what's happening. And, and I think we're I think we're moving towards that trend. So I think we'll be there. And that does bring in all the pieces of robotics and automation because things are in many different systems. So how we can pull them all together to have a good, good employee record for payroll. And actually, you're not the first person that's given a very similar answer to that question as well. So it's definitely on, you know, at the senior uh, leadership end of the payroll scale, that it's definitely on people's minds at the moment. That's something that people like to see change. And so it's interesting to hear it again, which is, which is good. In hindsight, Mary, what's one thing you know now that you wish you had known when you first begun your payroll career? Um, I think globally, uh, I think one of the things that um, that helped me to be aware, uh, and I probably would have known that unless I was able to take, uh, you know, trips to visit, have site visits, is the impact of culture. And the impact of culture in, in the regions and how they communicate, you know, and if they're hierarchical um, organization or country, what that looks like for the communication. Um, that piece, uh, I wouldn't, to be honest with you, I don't think I would have been that successful or I would have, I probably would have had some more failures if I hadn't taken uh, cultural trips to see the countries. And then it's as simple as just observing how they operate and being aware. And I think that means just listening and looking and watching those help you kind of build things. And then from, from many of those pieces, then I would go back and, you know, Google that particular country's culture and the pieces all kind of play together. So now if I'm going someplace new, I'll, I'll go out that I've never been, I'll go out and Google it. So I kind of understand what the culture is like, be prepared for what it, what the country operates on. Sometimes it's simple things like, do they take a credit card to pay for things or do you need local currency? So those are things that I don't think I would have ever known, but they play, the culture piece pays such an impact as you're working with the teams and trying to build and understand the pieces of being a leader. Love that. And actually there's a, I'm, not, I'm going to plug someone else's book here, but I've, I've just started reading, well, about halfway through reading it. And I think you might like this now. I'm not sure if you're familiar with it, but I'm reading a book at the moment by, Danielle Braun and Jitsky Kramer, which is, um, I saw Jitsky do a, a talk uh, a year ago and she's kind of inspired me then. So I went and got a book and the book's called The Corporate Tribe and it's Organizational Lessons from Anthropology. And it really talks about, um, I guess, the essence of culture and how you can use the essence of different cultures to, to really help uh, deliver successful change programs. So it kind of ties in some of the things you've talked about today, which is, you know, the importance and how we're going to see so many different sort of the year of change, if you like, all the transformations that are happening of how people need to upskill themselves in project management, but also being able to handle some of that resistance that you talked about as well earlier on today. And I think, you know, as we do become more global and as we um, become, hopefully, the world needs to become more inclusive and needs to become more diverse. Um, it's a really, really good book that brings a lot of these um, different elements into play. So if you, I don't know if you've read it, but um, I highly recommend it. I'll, I'll put a link in the episode note, The Corporate Tribe. And it, it's a really fantastic book. So um, yeah, that's all I mentioned it here because I felt it was relevant, but uh, you might enjoy that. So I'll, I'll send you a link through. Uh, so last question for the Payroll Podcast. I mean, I'm sorry we've got to the end already, but it's a big one. 
What does payroll mean to you? I see it as I'm providing payment to employees that they're helping the money that they're receiving every day or every around the world once a month, every week. However, we we talk about daily pay a little bit in the U.S., so it could be every day, is that what I'm doing is providing um, compensation to the employee that's accurate and on time. And that I'm providing that compensation that they're receiving, if it's accurate, that they're going to use to support their families. And everybody around the world is coming to work to support their families. And, and in some countries, it's harder than other countries. But I feel like we're, we're providing the support to the employee and making sure they're receiving correct compensation. But the other piece is, is really from, I guess, probably from my finance background and accounting background is making sure that we're compliant in the tax regulations and reporting that's required that the country um, has mandated. And in that case, kind of protecting the company. So kind of pulling the, the audit piece of things and compliance piece to really the, the human piece of why people are coming to work. They're coming to work to, to receive compensation. And payroll is important for everyone to make sure that they get the compensation they deserve so that they can support their families. Fantastic. It's like payroll is kind of the, the, the parent to both the uh, the employer and the employee, right? So if, it, if it's not right, it doesn't work. And it's, as you say, it supports the commercial enterprise of the business and the families of the employees that, that, that work within it. I think that's a, a fantastic answer and a great way to bring the payroll podcast episode to a close. So thank you, Mary, so much for joining me today. We've got dinner book now in 22 uh, for this <laughs> jubilee so i'll book that in now while i've got you and um, what i'm here as well mate are, where are the places that people can connect with you online if they if they hear this and they want to say you know what i would love to speak to mary about global payroll in more detail where's the best place they can find you probably on linkedin would be the best place and you can send me a linkedin message and then um my email is out there on linkedin so that's probably the best place to connect and and we didn't mention we didn't mention LinkedIn, but of course that's an, another one of a great resource to be out there on LinkedIn. And there's there's classes that you can take through LinkedIn, so another great resource. Absolutely right, absolutely right. And I'll make sure there's a, a link to your direct um, LinkedIn page as well in the episode notes. So if you want to connect with Mary, have a look at the episode notes to this podcast episode, and you can go straight to the link to to, to catch up with her directly. So that kind of just leads me to say it is, of course, new year, new opportunity. So whatever 2020 brings, if it is indeed the year of transformation for your business, or if you just need to recruit a payroll professional in whatever guise that might be, whether it's payroll analytics, payroll administration, payroll sales, payroll transformation, uh, I can help. So do give me a call. Uh, my number is 01727-800-377 or you can email me at nick at jgarecruitment.com. Otherwise, if you've enjoyed this episode, please remember to like it. Please remember to subscribe it. And most importantly, please share it with all of your payroll friends so we can reach the biggest audience we possibly can. Thank you ever so much, Mary Holland, for joining me today. It's been a fantastic uh, hour, and, hour, and, hour and 10 minutes of time. So I hope you've enjoyed it as well. And um, I look forward to bringing you the next episode of the Payroll Podcast we'll see. Thank you so much for tuning into the payroll podcast with Nick Day of JGA Recruitment. If you need help with a current payroll vacancy, then please get in touch with Nick and his team. All contact details can be found in the episode notes. In the meantime, to make sure you never miss a future episode, please subscribe to the show through any of your favorite podcast channels.
Till next time.